Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. The show that reminds us all you can pick your nose and you can pick your friends, but you can't pick your friend's nose. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine, coming to you on another Tuesday night. So in tonight's show, pipe parts. Uh, Going to do a quick pipe parts. We're going to recap the Columbus pipe show, the NASPC pipe show. Uh... My guest tonight, I'm really excited about this one. Uh, my guest is Brandon Gravois, and he is an actual Perique farmer from St. James Parish in Louisiana. Uh, parish means county in uh, Louisiana, so he's right there in the heart of where they're growing Perique, and been in the it's been in his family for years. I'm really excited to get him on the phone. I met him at the uh, at the IPCPR in New Orleans. Great guy. We'll uh, we'll have fun with Brandon. Um, music. Tonight we're going back to Stevie Ray Vaughan. And going to do a little bit of an expanded mailbag because uh, apparently some feelings got flared from last week's show. So we'll address that in the mailbag. Uh, rant, all that coming up on tonight's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. Uh, so as I said, I was in uh, I was in Columbus last weekend. Did not get a chance to get to uh, the Columbus Zoo. Sorry, yeah, I know. Didn't get a chance to get to the zoo. But what I did do, and this is probably the first time I've ever done it, was I was so far behind on paperwork that I brought it all with me, and I didn't let the I didn't let housekeeping in the room the entire weekend. Because I had stuff spread out and I didn't want to mess with the piles of stuff that I had and I was working on it in between. Um, You know, it's really nice sometimes to get into a hotel and know that, hey, it's all your space to put stuff out and nobody's going to mess with it. And you can get a lot of work done. A lot of work done as long as you just put your head down and plow through it. Uh, So a big thank you to the... uh, Big thank you to the folks at the Hampton Inn in uh, Dublin, Ohio, because uh, I'm pretty sure that room was a mess afterwards, and they had really good internet service. All right, that's enough of that. Let's get the show going. Everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in, and thank you to the McBaron Tobacco Company. Here we go. I'm Jeremy Reeves head blender of Cornell & Deal Pipe Tobacco Company. Since 1990, Cornell & Deal has been producing high-quality pipe tobacco, expertly blended by hand using time-honored methods, unique recipes, and no small amount of innovation. One example of such innovation is our bestseller, Autumn Evening. We start with whole-leaf red Virginia and strip the stems by hand. The tobacco is then cut into ribbons and cooked for two days according to our unique recipe to create our special Red Virginia Cavendish. Then we infuse the tobacco while it's still hot with our secret flavoring to achieve the sublime sweetness, 
deep flavor and delightful aroma that makes autumn evening so well loved by our loyal customers and everyone around them as they enjoy this very special blend. Cornell and Deal Pipe Tobacco Company. It's a labor of love. Contact your local or online retailer for information. Eck, I wish I had a genie who could make it easy to order pipes and tobaccos online. You don't need a genie, sir. Visit fournoggins.com. They stock all your favorite pipes and tobaccos, and every order gets fast personal attention. Orders are packed carefully and shipped quickly by priority mail. Fournoggins.com. Fournoggins.com. I can still see you, you know. A bit rusty, sir. Fournoggins.com. Alright, so for pipe parts, uh, let's kind of recap the NASPC, and first of all, let me say a big thank you to the uh, to the crew at the NASPC, in particular Jeff Knoll and Eddie Fleiss for putting the show together and running a uh, seamless and smooth show. Um, the NASPC show starts on Friday evening. Now, this is the second year I believe they've done this, and it's absolutely brilliant what they've done. Because the hotel that they use is 100% smoke-free, what they've done is they've paid a little bit extra, and they open up the exhibit room on Friday night for those vendors that have tables from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. You can come in, set up, and the room is open for all attendees. So now it's really a day and a half show. So I arrived a little bit late. And at about uh, 5.15, I came in through the outdoor smoking tent. on the uh, Out on the patio, they, had a, uh, they put a tent up over it. Uh, Drew Estates put up the money for the tent. And they had a huge display of tobacco in there to sample. And uh, my friends at uh, Sutliff Tobacco paid for uh, hors d'oeuvres and appetizers that were free-flowing there. And then right inside was a bar, and the bar service was coming out and taking care of people at the tables. It's a great spot to sit and smoke and enjoy the evening. More on that on the Saturday night. Uh, Friday evening was busy. Friday evening was very busy. By the time I got set up, it was about 6 o'clock. And about an hour and a half later, I either brought too much tobacco, I didn't bring enough tobacco, or there were uh, too many customers, because I was about half sold out of the tobacco that I brought within the first hour and a half. Uh, Attendance was steady all evening, and then at 9 o'clock, we covered up the tables. The reason I mention attendance being steady is because I didn't get much of a chance to walk around the room. Not at all. Uh, Covered up our tables. They closed up the room. Had a security guard in there overnight. And I proceeded out to the bar where I sat at the bar and had a uh, just a hamburger and fries and a beer. And Joe Nelson comes and sits down next to me. And then on the other side, Scott Thiele comes and sits down next to me. And that's when I got confirmation from Scott Thiele that his son Chris who we've played his music several times, Uh, Chris Thiele is taking over as the host of the Prairie Home Companion on NPR, and I believe that'll start on their next season, which should start somewhere around next summer. 
So congratulations to Chris. Uh, Saturday morning at the pipe show started at 9 a.m. And because my table was already set up, I didn't have to get up until about 7.30. Got up, rolled over there, and uncovered the table, and off we went. And again, by uh, about noontime, I was almost sold out of tobacco. So it was a very well-attended show, very busy. Lots of, uh, lots of the American pipe makers were there. Uh, and coming from overseas was Ian Walker. Got a chance to see a whole bunch of pipes. Uh, Premel at Smoker's Haven had his table full of American pipe makers. Dan Nemitz was there showing off his wares from his website. Just a really good show. Attendance, uh, table rentals at the show were so good that there were even tables out in the hallway between the, uh, between the, uh, the foyer to the ballroom and on the way to the bathroom. So once again, just a busy jam-packed show. Finally, at about 3 o'clock, it died down, and we were able to wind it down, close it up at 5 o'clock. I uh, want to say a thank you to Michael DiCuccio, who brought me a really cool 1970s-era Walt Disney World uh, golf bag tag that's now hanging proudly on my backpack. Uh, lots of you listeners from the radio show were there, and glad I got glad to meet all of you. Appreciate all the kind words. Uh, you know, sometimes when we're sitting in here in our own little worlds, don't realize how many people are actually out there listening to us. Uh, apologize if it rots your brain cells, but that's part of listening to me. And uh, Saturday night was our annual dinner where Lee Von Eric, Joe Nelson, uh, Chris and Nicole Stout, a couple of other folks, Deb and Irv, Deb and Kurt, come and we go to this one... Uh, uh, Turkish restaurant called Cafe Istanbul and it's kind of the highlight of the year for me to go out into this regular dinner it's full of fun and drinks and good food and then from there we go back to the uh, go back to the hotel and hit the smoking tent and hung out with Michael Lindner and Nate King for a while in the smoking tent and let's just say that there was uh, a lot of drinking and smoking so once again let me emphasize if you can get out to a pipe show because Nate was uh, passing around some 20-year-old or 30-year-old tobacco. Uh, Chris and Nicole brought out some 10-year-old McClellan anniversary. There's all kinds of chances and opportunities to try all kinds of different tobaccos. Uh, Cornell and Deal was there giving out samples. I was there doing sampling. Drew Estate was there doing sampling. Lane Limited was there doing sampling. So again, just a ton of chance to try different tobaccos. If you can, get yourself to a pipe show. No, you don't need to bring a lot of money to buy stuff. Hey, it's nice if you can, but the stuff that you learn, the stuff that you see at a pipe show, especially at a really good one like the NASPC show is, mark your calendars for next year. If you live anywhere within reach of it, get yourself to the show. All right, that went longer than I thought, but uh, Brandon's on hold, so we'll get to Brandon in just a minute. This is Internet Radio. It's Saturday morning at the crack of dawn. The cool chill of night still clings to the air as the sun slowly rises over the misty surface of the lake. You've waited all week for just this moment. You know that today is going to be epic. Everything is here to ensure perfection. From the nice full cooler packed with your favorite suds to the other empty one, 
waiting to be filled with piles of freshly caught fish. Reaching into your pocket, you pull out your trusty briar and fill it with your favorite tobacco, aptly named Great Outdoors. It is the perfect smoke for moments like these. A strike, a flash, and your tobacco is lit. As the delicious mixture ignites and swirls over your tongue and the deep, rich burleys with a hint of sweet Virginia dance in your mouth, you smile. Casting your first line into the water, the slowly widening ripples begin to stir as you feel the first bite of the day tug at your line. Now you know it truly is going to be a good day and a perfect time to enjoy the simple yet unmatchable pleasures of the Great Outdoors. Great Outdoors is another fine quality pipe tobacco manufactured by Sutliffe, America's oldest tobacco company, and is available at fine tobacconists everywhere. Enjoy your perfect day by purchasing a tin today. Hi, my name is Eileen Sachi from MarketingPipes.com. If you attend the major pipe shows or buy pipes on eBay, chances are you know my dad, Hank Sachi, or eBuyer1932. My dad has been a pipe collector for over three decades and a reseller on eBay for the last 12 years. His new website is MarketingPipes.com. At MarketingPipes.com, you will find high-quality, hand-picked pipes. Carvers, join my dad's vast network of collectors across the globe and let my dad promote your brand. Collectors, consign your pipes at affordable commissions or buy your next collectible pipe at MarketingPipes.com. Thank you. Welcome back to the Pipes Magazine radio show. And as I said before, I'm excited about this one because on the phone with us, direct from the St. James Parish, the first time we've ever had a real tobacco grower on the phone is Brandon Gravois of the River Road Perique Farm from Hester, Louisiana. Brandon, welcome to the show. Mr. Brian, it's a pleasure to be here today. So I met you and your wife. You were hanging out with uh, Mark Ryan at the uh, trade show in New Orleans, and you guys were the highlight of, uh, of new people to meet. And uh, you, let's go all the way back to the beginning. When did your family start growing tobacco in St. James? Well, Mr. Bryan, it has a deep history in our parish. And when um, the Acadiana settled in here from on their move from Nova Scotia in the 1700s, Pierre Chenet was introduced to this type of tobacco in around 1780s. So we are currently the ninth generation of tobacco producers of the very pristine Perique tobacco. So these, my great-grandfather and was a processor himself, was L.A. Poche. Wow. And when my grandfather took it over, and then he, he sold it over to Mr. Mark Ryan, with daughters and Ryan, and then from then, four, five years ago, we started producing it as well from the sugarcane, which the new generation started over and started growing it again to keep our history and our traditions alive here in St. James Parish. So this piece of land, the land that you're working has been in your family for 100 plus years and you 
and you're still and you started up growing Perique on it again. Yes, sir. Um, in fact, this area, the area along the Mississippi River, between 30 miles up from New Orleans and about 30 miles south of Baton Rouge, forms a little triangle off of College Point. It's called College Point. And this area is nine miles wide by three miles deep. And it has a unique soil that we're able to grow this tobacco, have the flavor, and it's it has a unique um, flavor to it. So, and it's creating a demand for it all through its its life. And I've been reading books on it, trying to get educated more on it from my uh, ancestors and um, all throughout its its history. It's it's been the prime to go get the truffle of tobaccos, like it's. It's said in all the history books. So um, we we're fortunate to be able to grow it and fit it into our sugarcane um, cycle uh, with the rotation in the land. So it's it's kind of unique and an honor to to have this type of tobacco and to, to bring along the history into this new new generation and for for the future. If you want to see what I'm looking at, go on to Google Maps and type in Hester, H-E-S-T-E-R, Louisiana, and you can see exactly where Brandon lives because everybody lives right along that same road right there. It's not a not a real big town, is it? No, sir, it is not. I mean, we um, we're on the outskirts. They have a more a town. It's more like a little community, and everybody is related. All the families originated, came down the same, with the same uh, Acadiana migration, and so we know everybody, and it's a a great town to live, and um, the history that our history runs deep as the roots, and I mean, we're stuck here, and we're not stuck here, but... We're um, we deep embedded into this rich soil and living on the river, and um, the community works with one another, and we're all friends and family. So it, it's kind of a unique place to live. Um, so it's 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 great. It's a great um, a great place to live. About how many people live in your in your area? Our parish has about. 21,000 residents, and um, that's on both sides of the river. My little community must have about 15, uh, about 500 people to 1,000 people living here. <laughs> and as you get closer to, like, the city limits of uh, Gramercy and Lutcher, which is about five to 10, 15,000 people. So uh, we're on the outskirts of town, and... Back when I was coming up in high school, nobody knew where I lived, and we couldn't throw any parties because we were always out of the way. Now, I'm not saying we were only five <laughs> to six miles from the, the incorporation, but, um, so, I mean, we're not far, but it's just out in the, out in the country, sitting on the back where plantations, big, large tracts of land, 
that the family been owning for a long time, and um, like I said, I'm very blessed to be here. Now, how many acres of tobacco will you plant each year? Well, that's um, we've we've been kind of these last few years. Well, seven years ago, it was an open market, so it was a kind of a learning experience because from with us we are sugarcane farmers first and we all we know about the research and we know about the development but on tobacco tobacco to me is kind of like a it's grown it's under it's called generational theory which the way to describe it is my grandfather told me I need to grow this. My grandfather told me I need to put this much fertilizer, this much um, nutrients, and this many plants an acre. Well, my brothers and I, which are in the business with me as well, and my one cousin, we took it a step further five years ago and started doing the research and reaching out to North Carolina and Kentucky to get to understand more on the tobacco, to get more out of the land and make the, the leaves larger and thicker and, and get more production out of the acres. But it fit in our sugarcane rotation to where it doesn't affect our other crops and it kind of benefits us with the labor side. So we started off small with two acres, and then we we up to 25 to 30 acres of Perique tobacco. And do you know how many pounds that'll that'll yield for you? Well, um, it all depends on the year, Mr. Bryan. And um, the three, well, four years, we had excellent yield and lately these past few years last year and this year we kind of with our heavy rains in early spring it made these plants show dade which a French word that it would translate into wilted which drowned drowned so it, it's kind of you can't take this crop for granted because you yeah. can plant this crop and it will drown out or with the weather, it's really risky. So anywhere from, I don't know, the, the most we've grown was 25,000 pounds of three. So when do you when do you put the yeah. crop in the ground? Well, it's, um, we put the crop in the ground in end of March. And but we start before that with the seeding of the hotbeds, and well, that's how my grandfather did it. But now, since we put in the the flotation, the hydroponics, and the greenhouse, we are able to put through start the seeds off in January, mid January to late January, and then we'll grow them like they do in North Carolina get a good transplant, a good seedling, and transplant them in the ground and end of March, beginning of April. And 
grow them out from there, you know. And so uh, I'm fascinated by this because you don't want it to be too wet because the plant needs some the plant needs some sunshine, but at the same time you also don't want it to be too dry either. Correct. And and that's what makes Perique risky. Uh, one minute you can have the most beautiful beautiful crop you ever seen, and tomorrow it could be it could be wilted up in a like an old rag out <laughs> in the field, just the stalks left. And it, it's it's with Louisiana's climate in the summertime, late spring, early summer times, we get these daily rain showers and. If you have a rain shower that comes over in the evenings and you can be looking at a pretty crop that you're, hey, man, we needed this rain. The rain will fall and then an hour later the sun come out and it will burn these leaves into a crisp. So then you'll be, you have it show day as well. So it's kind of. <laughs> it's kind of weird that you want rain, you don't want rain, and then you get rain, and then it's, hey, you want the sun to come out, but you don't want the sun to come out too quick. <laughs> so it's kind of it's it's very tricky to grow, and um, it's it's I mean it's um, it's troublesome at times. But hey, you know we have a great product. We uh, we take pride into it uh, as long as the history and. Um, our traditions and trying to keep all that alive. Now, is the uh, is the sugar cane is as as difficult to grow, or is it a little more a little simpler? Well, the sugar cane is a tropical plant, and down here in the part of Louisiana where we are, we have a tropical environment. We have a high humidity. We get. Uh, about 70, well, 50 to 65 inches of rain a year. <laughs> and sometimes, we last year we had an upper uppermost 78 to 80 inches of rain last year. So, I mean, it's kind of, sugarcane is more forgiven because of the rain, and uh, it'll make itself up. But the tobacco is more like a dry climate, but it like the Perique is, with our soils and it's kind of tied to this area it's um you get the most flavor out of the area and uh, they try growing perique all over the world and they cannot find a match to it so uh we're blessed to have that and that unique opportunity to, to, to keep growing this perique tobacco we're going to take a break right here. When we come back, we're going to talk more Perique. We're going to talk food. We're going to talk drinks. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. What are you looking for in a pipe? Is it the quality of aged briar? Is it a certain shape or finish? Maybe it's the sound engineering that ensures an effortless, smooth draw with each and every puff. That's exactly the kind of pipe Savinelli has delivered for generations now. With such a variety of shapes, finishes, and sizes, it's easy to find something that fits your sensibility and style. Just this year, we've expanded our lineup to include the Bianca, the Lancelotto, the 2015 Collection, and the final installment in the Leonardo da Vinci line, the Vitruvio. For a bolder style, try our more colorful 2015 editions as well the exotic cashmere, the sultry licoricea, and the striking archipelago red. 
So whatever you're looking for in a pipe, know there's a Savinelli waiting for you. Contact your local or online retailer to find your Savinelli today. If you're looking for quality, if you're looking for a variety, and if you're looking for someone with reputation for nothing but the best, you're looking for CupOfJoes.com. CupOfJoes.com has hundreds of pipes to choose from and thousands of different pipe tobaccos. CupOfJoes.com is also your one-stop shop for Peterson Pipes, their exclusive line of Peterson Kelly Pipes. Check out their remodeled website at CupOfJoes.com and be sure to like them on Facebook, CupOfJoes.com. Quality products at extraordinary prices. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show deep in the heart of the bayou visiting with Brandon. So, Brandon, take me through it. When right, we get the seedlings in and we get them growing, do you harvest a single crop or do you have to go through it a couple times to get the leaves off and let it grow again? How does that all work? Well, when we start these, this crop off, and like I said earlier, with uh, in the March, beginning of April, and as these plants grow, we can break the tops off when they get to about 14 to 16 leaves, and then we'll break the suckers every three to five days, and um, or put a sucker spray on them to keep keep these plants growing. And about a month after we top them, these leaves get as thick as an alligator skin. I mean, <laughs> at least a sixteenth of an inch inch thick. Wow. And sometimes they get as wide as um, 18 inches and 3 feet long. So in about end of June, beginning of July, we'll go out and harvest the ones that's, that's ripe enough to, to harvest. And we'll go out and in the evenings, if there is no rain, we'll take a, a tobacco knife and go and cut each stalk. The following morning, we'll go and pick them up, and because um, in the evenings, about three, four o'clock, they'll wilter down and they'll become pliable, and wouldn't break as many leaves off. Hmm. And then in the following morning, we'll go and pick them up, put them on a wagon, and bring them to our barn, our current current facility, and we'll tap a nail in each one and hang them on a wire. And from then on, it's twenty about twenty one days. They will the the stem would completely dry out, and when it completely dries out, we'll take the stalks down, break each leaf off each stalk, and beat them over a barrel, knock out all the sand. Then we'll wash them, and then we'll tie them up in a carot, which is a a, a torquelet. And it'll twist the leaves up kind of in a one, one-and-a-half-pound bundle where it's easier for us later in the process. So we'll tie them up, and then we'll stack them in a barrel, a whiskey barrel, and we'll put them under high-pressure fermentation. And they'll go in a high... So we're in August now, and we'll go... High pressure fermentation for about five, six months or so. Take them out, air them out, work them where they fully each leaf gets individually. Then we'll put them back in a barrel another five to six months. Then take them out again, do the same thing, and put them back in a barrel. So this 
process is quite intensive. We have a lot of labor. It takes a lot of time and to get uh, a good cured Perique tobacco that has the the rich aroma, flavor, and uh, boldness, um, the peppery. And our buyers doesn't use it as a whole. They use it as more like a salt and pepper kind of blended to add um, its, its, its great flavors to existing tobacco. So it's kind of a, a natural spice that you would add a pipe smoker would like to have or a cigar smoker would like to have to give that character and boldness without adding anything else. Let me let me go back a minute because you said two things that piqued my interest. Uh, one, you you top the plants, and that's so that they don't flower, so that they give you a bigger, stronger leaf, right? Correct. Yes, sir. And then, you, do you let one or two per acre go to flower so that you get seeds for next year? Yes, sir. Well, lately, lately, I have when I when we got in it. Like I said, we're doing our, like our own research as far as fertilization, and um, we're working with North Carolina, and I have been selecting when I walk the fields to break the suckers, to break the tops, I go and hand-select my plants that I want to use for seed because each seed has been handed down for generations and generations. So... Whatever seed you keep this year, you normally keep for the next year. But I have been trying to select where it has the, the thicker leaves, that it has the bigger and bolder leaves. And um, so to try and make my own, not make my own, but kind of have a, a unique, more uniqueness to it and have more production out of the, the tobacco. And then the other thing you said is so, you, you cut the leaves off by hand with a knife. So there's no machinery running down the road. It's not like these big tobacco farms that I see here in North Carolina where they got machines to strip the leaves off. You guys are going out there as a whole crew by hand taking the leaves off only when they're ready. Well, no, no we cut the whole stalk, Mr. Brian. We um, have a, 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 like a, a, a hatchet, and we'll go and uh, harvest the whole stalk. And okay. from uh, all the leaves are connected to the stalk. That way, it's easier to dry and it's easier to go through all the rigorous process. And each plant gets touched eighteen to twenty times by a person before it gets to um, before it gets to the, to, to the buyer and a processor. Wow! So it's it's a very rigorous. Um, labor-intensive um, crop. And the uh, and the sugar cane that you grow is that the sugar cane you can just cut into and start eating the middle of it when it's ready? Yes, sir. Um, the sugar cane, whenever it's ripe, well, late fall, it's starting to get ripe. It's about ten feet tall right now, and uh, I, you can go at the bottom of it and start. You can peel it away and chew on it and get some sugar juices from it and uh, give a little sweet sensation from it. So, um, <laughs> we know where the tobacco ends up. Where it is, who's still using sugar cane? What, who are you selling the sugar cane to? Well, um, United States is an um, importer of sugar. So the 
sugarcane through Louisiana, is, well, I think four states, Hawaii, Texas, Louisiana, and uh, Florida grows sugarcane. And uh, up north in the northwest, there grows sugar beets. But um, so we produce X amount of metric tons of sugar, and the United States will still have to import sugar from uh, the world market to, to meet its sugar demand. So all of you, any sugar table, raw table sugar, or refined sugar is mostly from the United States. All right, now, you you know, when we talked, I love the food. I love the drink down there. Uh, what, what do you guys normally eat for breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Just because now I'm really hungry thinking about it. <laughs> well, when it's warm and it's hot, you don't want to eat a lot down here. I mean, it's, you can only imagine anywhere from the low 90s to mid to upper 90s and with a 90% humidity. And that brings it, that heat index up into the 110, 120-degree mark. But uh, you don't want to eat too much. But I'm a typical farmer. I like my biscuits, my egg, and my bacon. <laughs> and uh, and like to have that right before the sun pops up. And I don't know, I guess red beans and rice or crawfish etouffee or... Um, a fish cubion, or in the wintertime, you can have a chicken and andouille gumbo or a red bean gumbo. I mean, there's countless amount of different kind of cuisine that you can have or and get um, get your feel on, I guess you can say. And uh, once you learn to regulate it, then you can control your weight. <laughs> yeah, well, look, luckily, you, you got all that work to do, so that helps you regulate that, but... Uh... Uh, I would imagine the fishing's probably pretty good out that river that's out your front yard. Yeah, so we do catch a few fish there, but I mean, we normally out in the out in the back when you get out of the off of the river, you have um, the lakes and stuff, and you can get or the the big spillway, and you can catch some you can catch freshwater fish as well. Uh, um, we call them sockele, which is white perch. In most other areas, and um, bass, you have largemouth bass, and, or you can go saltwater fishing and and catch uh, speckled trout and redfish, and if you go, and then you can even go offshore fishing and, and catch the the red snappers and the the ling and um, them grouper, and so I mean it's kind of unique where we at and on the river and. Um, like I said, we can, we have a lot of hunting areas and able to fish and farm and everything is so close and so unique. Um, we we catch the lower the temperature we get is um, this past year was uh, 27 degrees was our lowest low. So um, we're kind of in a warmer part of the United States and we don't get that cold that often or that cold that long. And they always say, like Louisiana weather, you can be wearing a jacket one minute or a little coat one minute, and you can have flip-flops and uh, short pants the next. <laughs> or you could be in that trade show hall where it was freezing cold, and then the minute you walked outside, it was blistering hot. Well, that way, too. 
Now let's talk a little bit about pipe. We'll talk a little bit about pipe smoking because you were you were smoking a pipe there, and you just recently started smoking a pipe, right? Yes, sir, I have. And now you're uh, you're experiencing all the different flavors and stuff, and of course you must like the uh, you must like the Virginia Perique blends, but. Uh, are you uh, are you getting a handle on the pipe yet? No, it's 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 unique. Uh, I mean, it's um, almost like a, a wine, you know. And I never use smokeless tobacco in my life. I never smoked in my life um, until three four years ago when um, we it came out with uh, the eighteen eighty one. Um, Perique tobacco from Tobacalera out of the Philippines. And then I got a hold of a pipe on the last New Orleans trade show, and I, I met Mr. Per Jensen, and and he gave me a tin of the Acadian Perique. And, um, so I kind of I, I favor the pipe side. Um, I'm, I'm really starting to learn all the different flavors, but wow it's a whole new world um far as you add a different type of tobacco you add this and and the different blends is so complex it's it's kind of almost mind-boggling how and what you can get out of the pipe but to me i start i like the pipe where it's a clean good crisp smoke and um it's it's a lot i think it's i find it's a lot easier and than a cigar so I don't know. I'm like I said. I'm right now sitting on my back porch enjoying a little whiskey drink and uh, smoking a pipe and enjoying some Acadian Perique. <laughs> and and watching the smoking the fruit of your own uh, of your own fields out there. <laughs> yes, sir. That's right. I mean, it's, it's it's when going to that trade show really opened my eyes. It it I was had the opportunity to go with uh, Mr. Mark Ryan and he, he introduced me to a couple people and when you tell when I told them that I grew Perique they bowed down to me saying <laughs> man keep up the tradition we love your product and just the relationship I built going to their trade show and understanding what my product meant and it it it, it like I said, there's no words that can describe that kind of feeling when a guy my age just growing this crop, like because that's what his family always did, and to go on that you know, on that stage and hey, you know, these guys worship your tobacco, and man, it's a it's a pleasure, it's an honor to 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 continue the tradition and keep up the hard work, and you know, and people enjoy it, you know. Are we going to see you at the uh, pipe show in New Orleans the first weekend in October? Well, it's only if I get invited. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I would love to attend, but our busy schedule and with um, sugarcane harvest is upon us shortly. We currently planting sugarcane right now and harvesting soybeans and. Um, Sugarcane harvest starts the first week in October, so I, it depends what kind of um, what the schedule is, and I'm, I'm looking forward to it. 
um, if I'm able to attend, and uh, hopefully, like I said, hopefully I can attend and enjoy meeting y'all again and um, just talking and, and learning learning about this tobacco. It, it's the, the the largest aspect of it. You're at the uh, you're at the mercy of Mother Nature with your schedule. <laughs> well, that's a typical farmer, Mister Brian. I mean, uh, the farming life is sun up, sun down, and six, seven days a week, and you know, off whenever it rains, and you know, when the crops need to be harvested or planted or fertilized. I mean, that's your livelihood. So um, it, it's kind of you know that's that's the way. It, that's the way it's, it's done, and I mean, it, it's great to have uh, a safe domestic food supply, and I mean, it's the countless hours of the farmer trying to, to, to bust all, bust these knuckles and getting it done, you know. We will wrap this up with the fast five final questions. No right answer, no wrong answer, just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? Yes, sir. I sure am. What is your favorite pipe? Uh, I'm smoking a St. Claude right now. What's What's your favorite tobacco? Uh, my favorite tobacco I smoke, I've been smoking lately is, um, the Acadian Barrette, uh, Perique and, uh, um, the Old Dark Fire Burley. Um, the Old Dark Fire Burley is just a pleasant smoke, um, but the Perique, it, it, it has a, I don't know, it has a, a different boldness to it that I, I really enjoy as well. So it's kind of a toss-up between those two. And what's your favorite drink? Uh, kind of hard there. I kind of do a little kind of sore of that as well. I like a, a aged rum, mm. either neat or on the rocks. And, or a, a good a good whiskey that's aged well as well. And when it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? I like to take my little joy ride on the farm. I, I, prefer, I, I like to just cruise in the field on either on the four wheel or in the truck and. Um, over this plantation of ours, we can just sit that, sip on a little rum, and and look at the crops growing, and either smoke on a pipe or a little cigar or something like that, just to ease my mind a little bit. See. So I guess that doesn't answer your question, though. <laughs> no, that's a that's a live action movie right out your back door. Yes, sir. <laughs> And the last question that I normally ask people, I'm going to answer for you because one of my favorite memories from New Orleans was uh, meeting a wonderful couple that uh, grows a wonderful product for us up there in the St. James Parish. Uh, You and your wife were the highlight for me. And I think from all of us pipe smokers out there and all the listeners around the world, we appreciate all the work you do and all the happiness that you give us when we sit down and smoke a bowl of uh, Virginia Perique and we know exactly where it came from. Well, it's a pleasure and an honor to hear that such great words from a connoisseur or from a, a man of yourself. 
Uh, you make you make me happy about oh I don't know five six bowls a day worth. So I appreciate it. <laughs> And, uh, and keep up the work, because I plan on smoking for a long time. Well, Mr. Brian, it's a pleasure. Like I said, it's a pleasure to meet you, and it's a pleasure to have this opportunity to, to talk and to, to give a, a, a share of our lives and to, to explain the, 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 the rigorous of work and trying to have a high-quality product of Perique Tobacco to supply, and um, we only, uh, my brothers and I and cousin, we we try to to, um, to grade out our own selves, and they don't really don't have a, a rigorous grade system because of the market shortages. But we try to put out the best, and and in that way, I mean, our name is tied to it, and. Uh, I mean, River Road Perique Tobacco or Gravois or the Poche, I mean, those names uh, were dealing with us. It's um, it's kind of quite an honor to, to, to keep that tradition and family alive and, and well. That doesn't uh, take out from the other guys, the Roussels and the Martins. And, um, I mean, there's a lot of families down here that, that grows it and have a great product. And so it's... Uh, we well, like I said, we we work well with each other. We all family and friends, and uh, like I said, it's just a, a great tradition and great history to have it and to keep this spirit alive. Thanks for taking the time to come on, and uh, hey, keep up the good work. Thank you, Mister Brian. We'll be back in a minute. Craftsmanship, history, tradition. These are the hallmarks of all quality products. From the finest wines bottled in France to the most highly engineered automobiles manufactured in Germany, Denmark has been the one country in the world where craftsmanship, history and tradition have for centuries created the finest pipe tobaccos in the world. Since 1887, the Halberg family have led the pipe tobacco industry through their ownership of Mac Baron Tobacco Company and they continue to create the most sought-after blends in the world today, just as they did over 100 years ago. In keeping with their long history of providing the world with the best tobacco on earth, Mac Barron is proud to announce their newest creation, Modern Virginia, as a loose-cut version and a flake version. Bright and dark, rich Virginia tobaccos have been combined with just a hint of burley for strength in this soft and smooth smoke with delicious fruit undertones. As the world leader in flake tobacco production, Mac Barron is sure that this blend will appeal to the true connoisseurs of traditional Virginia flake tobacco, as well as those who like their tobaccos on the sweeter side. Enjoy the culmination of centuries of experience by picking up a tin of Modern Virginia from Mac Barron Tobacco Company. Available at fine tobacconists everywhere. This is Internet Radio. Welcome back. Well, the only way you can get closer to talking to somebody about the beginning of tobacco is to interview the dirt itself. Uh, Brandon and his wife, great people. Really enjoyed visiting with them. Maybe we'll uh, have him back on as he goes through his uh, pipe-smoking travels. All right, so for music, I got in a Stevie Ray Vaughan mood this week while I was uh, working on stuff on Sunday afternoon around the house and had it on. How about uh, Stevie Ray doing Crossfire?
love that combination of Stevie Ray on guitar and the uh, the electric organ in the background. Man, just uh, kind of gets you up, gets you going. Oh my God! You've got mail. You bastard! In the mailbag, let's deal with the three quick ones and then on to the big one. All right, quick ones. John Siler writes, Hi Brian, I will be seeing you in Columbus, and you did, and it's always good to see you. A bunch of guys will be there from Pittsburgh. Sounds like there may be more hope for the future of pipes with the move to the one-stop shop with full tobacco services. Uh, George Debos is a name that is familiar to me in the area of pipe repair. Great questions, good answers, especially about periodically taking a pipe apart and cleaning the tenon mortise area. Music, Albert King can't be beat. Rant, hmm, interesting idea of using a pipe for self-protection from spiders. A spider pipe, good luck, see you at the show. Uh, Dino writes, hi Brian, nice show. The conversation with, with George was quite enlightening. Both you and he made some very good suggestions on how to keep pipes away from George's shop table. Love the Albert King. If you could play as he does, I wouldn't have a show to listen to. Yeah. Uh, WTF, I'm five foot seven and shrinking and want a, and want to, uh, and, and you want to six spiders on me? Yes. Um, why not get a cap with one of those, uh, doofy flip down visors and quit complaining about being tall? <laughs> Happy web free trails, Dino. Uh, Dino, if I had one of those flip down things, it would get in the way of my pipe. Uh, Casey Ghost. Dan writes, sounds like the trip to Denver was interesting. Like most of us outside of Denver, we tend to focus on the legalized marijuana thing. Amazing how they can just bust our chops over smoking tobacco while actively promoting a form of smoking far more dangerous. Only in the leftist mind can uh, such a thing make sense. Uh, George Debos is a friend of mine, and his interests are very wide-ranging and eclectic. The story he told you about the three pipes glued on the board is amazing. The pipes belong to a friend of Mike McNeil's, and I can remember when Mike brought them in to give to George to see what he could do. I mean, these things were glued on a board, and the glue had been applied with a towel. Uh, Just a couple of weeks, George had the three pipes off the board and looking better than the day they were sold. It was breathtaking. I believe George wrote an article on this restoration and Chuck Stanion posted it or uh, printed it in Pipes and Tobacco's magazine. George also published an extended post on Pipe Makers Forum on how to duplicate a Dunhill stem. He also has a series of videos on YouTube on how to properly buff the part of the stem that meets the button. If you look at a lot of Carver's work, you'll see that the spot always seems a little less shiny than the rest of the stem. George developed a method to make that part of the stem shine like a diamond in a goat's nether regions. Okay, I should have read this first, probably. Uh, And he goes on to write, George didn't mention it, but in a spectacular rebuttal of genetic theory, George's son recently received his PhD from Harvard in physics. Wow. Um, The kid's mother must be a freaking genius. Um, Spiderwebs in the eyes is a big deal in your world? Yes, it's a big deal in my world. Uh, Dan says, I'm trying to avoid being the unknown innocent bystander who takes one for the team and you're suffering from arachnophobia. (laughs) No, I'm suffering from spiderweb phobia. All right. Uh, Anchovy D writes, in regards to the last week's show, 
Good show. George is obviously an expert at pipe repair, and his interview was educational, but please, for the love of God, stop this uh, divisiveness. Asking him which tobacco made the worst cake really made me livid. Of course he's going to answer aromatics. It's like you elite pipe smokers take any chance you get to put down aromatics and take pot shots at aromatic smokers. Uh, Before we go on, I went back and re-listened to the show twice, and what I asked George was what creates, if there is a particular kind of tobacco that creates the hardest cake. Uh, What George answered was, the tobacco that's hardest to clean or the the tobaccos that smoke that make it hardest to clean out uh anchovy d goes on to write arrows are for beginners arrows destroy your pipes arrows are goopy cotton candy for sissies really when i was a kid i used to love going into the tobacco shops at the mall they smelled great filled with a bunch of old guys and grandpa types smoking what aromatics that's what Older, experienced pipe smokers, smoking arrows, not Englishes, not vapors. They were not beginners, they were not babies, and they were not sissies. They were man's men, Navy vets, cab drivers, plumbers, etc. Now, I am the middle-aged guy at the pipe shop, been smoking for a quarter century, and what do I smoke? I appreciate all tobaccos, I like aromatics, seven times out of ten I'm enjoying an arrow. I like women, I have a wife, I have kids, I'm a man. Okay, Uh, I am sick of hearing you interview pipe smokers and discuss the progression. Drugstore, Graybo, Aromatic, Legit Pipe Shop, Artisan Pipe, Virginia Perique, or Balkan, with everyone snickering and apologizing for smoking aromatics. You know, the internet has created cyberbullying. We have fat shaming, slut shaming... We do not need the Pipes Magazine radio show and other pipe forums to encourage arrow shaming. It was a breath of fresh air to hear Rachel on the show taking up aromatics and Michael Saul, the master penman, discussing his love of arrows. We need more of that. 155 shows and only two aromatic lovers. Uh, The online retailers state that 80% of pipe tobacco sold is aromatic. Let's have a more balanced representation on the show. Your Hannahs and your Newcombs can take their Balkans elsewhere. I will be in New Orleans, and I will be enjoying an arrow on the floor at this year's show. Arrow Proud Anchovy D. Um, Let me take a few minutes here to respond to a few things. One, as the head of sales and marketing for Sutliff and McBaron, I am very much aware of the percentage of aromatics sold versus non-aromatics in the United States. Uh, Two, there's 154 shows. This is show number 155, I think. Uh, Three, if you listen to all the shows, you will also hear Dom Flemons talk of his love of aromatic tobaccos. Uh, You'll hear numerous other other, uh, guests on the show that have talked about their love of aromatics. Uh, Three, the progression that I usually talk about is from drugstore pipe and drugstore tobacco to non-drugstore pipe and non-drugstore tobacco. In my opinion, which I am the leading expert on, there is a big difference in the quality of the tobacco that is traditionally sold in drugstores 
and the pipes that are traditionally sold in drugstores and moved up. If you want to talk about the price range of pipes that I've had guests on, I had Dr. Billy Taylor who talked about his The Pipe, the plastic space age pipe. Uh, I've had pipe collectors and pipe smokers on that are relatively new or have been in it for a long time and they don't care about the price of the pipe. Uh, We've regularly featured all different ranges of pipes and all different ranges of tobaccos. If you've heard differently, I apologize. The last and final part that I will say, uh, based off of my sales alone at the Columbus Pipe Show, I will tell you that the only tobaccos that I brought back with me that did not sell were aromatics, and I only brought about uh, 30 tins of aromatics. I brought about 100 non-aromatics. So, yes, there's a lot of you that smoke aromatics. Problem is, there's not a lot of aromatic smokers that are on the forums. And for that, hey, if you know any aromatic smokers, bring them on the forums. Let's talk. We'll have them on. We'll enjoy them. Uh, Go back through and listen to some of the other shows. I'm sure you'll find that there are some uh, BCA and 1Q smokers. And going all the way back to to the show with my friend that does uh, Thomas Edison. He smokes just regular old 1Q. So there you go. Apologies if you were offended, but that's my opinion, and you're welcome to your opinion as well. And when you get to New Orleans, please do stop by my table. I'll have at least six or eight different aromatics for you to sample, and I'll be more than happy to help you out with uh, sampling a whole bunch of them. All right, in just a minute, rant time. Meet Aaron, one of the most important people at SmokingPipes.com. In our shipping department, he's one of the cogs in the highly efficient wheel, if you will, that's responsible for making sure your order goes out right every time. Ain't that right, Aaron? I don't know all about that cog and wheel stuff, but I do know at SmokingPipes.com, I take my work very seriously. Pulling tents of tobacco, weighing bulk tobacco, triple checking orders, and getting them out the door. Since it's so easy to order from SmokingPipes.com, you're keeping Aaron pretty darn busy. Look at him go, go, go. <laughs> In fact, it's been a challenge to get him to stop long enough to say hello. But Aaron doesn't mind. He loves his job at smokingpipes.com. Why is that, Aaron? Because I don't just ship pipes. I smoke them. Gotta run. <laughs> just log on to smokingpipes.com or call us at 1-888-366-0345. We are quality. We are experts. We are smokingpipes.com. This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Meerschaum Corncob Pipes in Washington, Missouri. Our mission since 1869 has been to produce great smoking pipes that anyone can afford. We guarantee our pipes won't be your most expensive, but they just might be the ones you smoke the most. At Missouri Meerschaum Company, we don't just sell our corncob pipes. We grow them, make them, and smoke them. Missouri Meerschaum, Washington, Missouri, since 1869. Thank you. 
Add FedEx, Federal Express, yes, add them to my list, and here's why. This letter was received yesterday by our company and another company that I confirmed, and it says... Effective January 5th, 2016, all tobacco products, including loose tobacco, cigars, smokeless tobacco, hookah tobacco, and cigarettes, will be prohibited for shipment within the U.S. via FedEx Express, FedEx Ground, and FedEx Freight. The policy change does not apply to the shipment of electronic cigarettes. I wonder why. Uh, This restriction for tobacco shipments within the U.S. applies to all customers, including customers who are currently approved for shipping tobacco with FedEx. The restriction does not impact current policies relating to international shipments. It's okay to send tobacco out of the country, but not within the country. It goes on to say, if a tobacco shipment is identified in the FedEx network during the handling process, it will be treated as a prohibited item. We regret any inconvenience this may cause for your business. If you have any additional questions about this policy change, you can contact me. And then there's the sales rep or the account rep's name on there. Well, goodbye FedEx. You can go FedEx yourself in a hole somewhere. Uh, And it's especially tough for me being a uh, Denny Hamlin fan, so maybe that's the end of me being a fan of Denny Hamlin. Anyway, if you have a shipping option out there, if you want to ship something anywhere, let me suggest uh, two other places. UPS and the U.S. Postal Service. Kiss FedEx goodbye. They won't even take shipments from a registered tobacco manufacturer to a registered tobacco distributor. They're done with tobacco, I'm done with FedEx, and you all should be done with FedEx as well. All right, that wraps up another wonderful episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. Hey, I want to bounce this idea off of you. Want to hear some travel stuff, Uh, travel segment, travel ideas, places to go that are smoking friendly? Let me know. I've been kicking that idea around. I want to thank Brandon for joining me. Thank you all for tuning in. John Seiler, thank you for the nice comments last weekend. And thank you to the Sutliff Tobacco Company. And until next time. Cares about the clouds when we're together. Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. Happy supposed to be smoking filter cigarettes, Pop. Yeah, well, I'm 94 years old. What the hell do I care, huh?